Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Featuring Dave AC, The Sixth Doctor, and Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Gotham Collective Commentaries. Yes, the gang's all here. Well, some of them are a little distracted, but we'll get to that in a minute. Dave, how you doing? I'm actually doing rather well. I've had a lovely day today. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Ready. I want to learn. I'm here to learn. <laughs> also joining us, Mr. Randall Thor. Good evening, Mike. Good evening. Hello, hello Ian. Hello, Dave. Ah, Welcome. And if I can pry him away from his phone for a minute, uh, we're also joined. I mean, it's 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 Mars, it's ice. We thought we'd invite Barry G. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Good. Good. You look a little distracted. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I got these these three really important visitors waiting for me to give them a tour of uh, mission control. I mean, the the. One guy even showed me his papers from the chief of NASA himself, so so I'm going to have to get going and let him into mission control. Oh, is that the building that looks like the vehicle assembly building? It looks exactly like it. They just put it right on the other side of Kennedy Space Center. You're right. Very confusing. Yes, yes. We were going to have a long, drawn-out kind of introduction, you know, with Dave's you know, specialty is, but the problem is he just couldn't find the right font. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah. Dave had a few practice runs. We um, we put those up in Mission Control. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Don't think he got it quite right, though. Yeah, no, I couldn't underscore it properly. Mm. <laughs> All right. Enough Enough carry-on. <laughs> uh, carry-on? Hmm. What if there's a tie-in to that? Ice Warriors, carry-on films? Yeah. Nah. Crossover wouldn't work for that, would it? Yeah. Nah. It would just get a chilly reception. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're already here, uh, gentlemen. Yeah, I take it you have your official BBC copy of the latest episode of Doctor Who. Series 10. Episode nice. Nice? Nice? Nice episode. It's a very nice episode. It's nice. It's very nice. Sorry for all the Italians out there. Okay. Okay, Mr. Forty. We need a control room. <laughs> this is a lack of control room. Alright. <laughs> so I'll take that again. Series 10, episode 9 of Doctor Who. Entitled The Empress of Mars? Yeah, Mars, right? Yeah. It's not Uranus, is it? <laughs> See, I can even make the guy from NASA laugh when I say Uranus. See, you're not so cocky now. You should have gone with my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear you say the word cocky ever again. 
<laughs> not not this close to his Uranus or his <laughs> Uranus. Uranus. NASA takes you where you've never been before. No, to boldly go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if everybody has such an entertaining time at home getting their official BBC copy of this episode ready, I think we can begin. Gentlemen, I'm going to count us in, and hopefully nobody will interrupt us, especially not those three visitors Perry's got planned. So here we go. In five, four, three. Two, one, play. Stirring music. Oh, look, it's the vehicle assembly building. Hey, oh. Oh, oh. oh look, it's the hey. wrong smokes. Oh. <laughs> but apart from that, it looks just like that, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. It looks enough what? like a NASA. The pictures I've it's seen, it looks completely different. And also the set here, I think. I think this is the same set they used for the Pentagon and oh. Extremis. Maybe yeah. similar. It does look familiar. Almost looks like the set from um, Christmas Invasion. Uh-huh. Also, the control room that they used uh, for the Santara and Two Powder uh, unit. That's what I. That's what I was reminded of. Unit. Mm. Mm. Oh, the Poison Sky one you meant, Ian. Mm-hmm. Remember they were looking up at the screen and, and the doctor spoken to some tower and commander? Yeah. She must be talking about this episode. <laughs> and a bit of education there, of course. We're talking about... Neil... Go ahead. I say the Neil Armstrong reference. It should be uh, general knowledge in schools, but you never know. I just think she wasn't sure if that was his picture. There's that font. Uh, I just, yeah. The font, and I, I checked, and that circle is rotated a bit incorrectly. Yeah. It's tilted a bit too far. Yeah, I just don't I, understand why they did that. They just had to ask me. Yeah, it's like, I went online and I got that. You can download why? the logo. And it isn't trademarked. It's public use. Okay, the other yeah. question I have is, why would you call a mission to look under... Mars's ice caps, Valkyrie. That makes no sense. And and, and as I say, they're looking under the ice caps. So what's the first image they get? The surface of Mars. No, 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 no. Well, no. It was under the ice at this point. It wasn't under ice when they laid the rocks. The the northern ice cap actually comes and goes every Martian year. It totally evaporates and then recondenses. The southern ice cap is permanent. Anyway. it's a little more specs for you. And what sort of ice is it? Well, CO2 and water. We didn't know we were going to get all educational on this show. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Another quick question that I had about that intro sequence is, where does it take place in, re- in relation to the rest of the episode? That's before right. or after? Because if it's before, we've got a bootstrap paradox. Yeah. No, because the doctor here says mm. we may arrive a little bit early. But they're going because of their actions. If it's if this takes place before, yeah. yeah. He went there oh because God. of the message, and then he. I got a science question. Yeah, sir. Sir. What? Yeah. what? Yes. Is this yes. a NASA, sir? Yes. A little boy with yes. his finger up his nose. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got the best pet. Um. 
All right. If they put the message on the surface of the planet, right, in back in the 1800s, yeah, and the ice comes and comes and goes, oh yes, why would the message still be there? Wouldn't the pressure of the ice move the rocks, split the rocks, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? No, because uh, no, because it's uh, when ice, the ice there will vaporize. It won't change into a liquid. It's the liquid in cracks that expands and breaks rocks. Do you work at NASA, Cooper? Well, it could, it could move, move them around, but they're probably not in the 150 years or whatever it was. Oh. Uh oh. Basic physics. Fire. Physics. Oxygen. Physics. physics. It's more like chemistry, but. See, there yeah. you chemistry, go. Yeah. Oh, you mean, oh, do you think that's the explanation? Okay. Yeah. They were superb engineers. Yeah. All, right, all right. Indigenous peoples were superb engineers. That's called hand waving a plot point. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. It's kind of like, Mr. Worf, what are you doing here? I thought you were on Deep Space Nine. And he never uh, gets to explain it. Well, oh. Why doesn't he just slide down? Now, this is what I thought something had come into the TARDIS with him at this point. I saw those move. Yeah, they never explained <laughs> what happened. Why the, but, Well, on the live show, Perry, we were thinking that what it is is that the TARDIS thinks that they need Missy. Yeah, so maybe. it takes it takes Nordle where he needs to go. Mm. But I thought something invisible had come in. No, I think that invisible uh, creature is just making things way too complicated. Yeah. No, no, no. It was only after after Missy came back that I realized mm. that, that that was the explanation. It was the TARDIS controls. Now, isn't the size creature moving a bit fast? No, not really. I don't think. We must remember, I mean, they are moving, they're moving faster than they used to. Used to, yeah, yeah. Well, so does the, the story thing, pacing, so it makes sense. The <laughs> thing that used to slow down the Ice Warriors originally was the fact that they couldn't really see, and they could hardly move. <laughs> yeah, see how fast he's going. I, can I say, I absolutely, because Darth didn't come on the live show uh, today, I have to say I love the new spacesuits. Oh, yeah. Absolutely that one's a, love it. that one's a bit Jules Verne, isn't it? With all those eye holes. Oh, it's think, brilliant! I love it. I love yeah. it. Which one are you talking about? You talking the, about the, the steampunk one or the yeah, the, the steampunk one? Well, I love both of them. I love, I, oh. I, and apparently, um, the crew might have had something to do with them because after the um, after oxygen, um, they had kind of complained a bit about how bulky and cumbersome the, the suits were. Mm. Um, and they say, oh, next time, can we have some, you know, more like easier spacesuits? And so they gave them these. And I think they're brilliant. And I think Peter Capaldi looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But the other ones look more steampunk because of having the small. The assumption is, of course, you, the glass, they could only have small glass. They couldn't mm. manufacture it to larger sizes. Yep. Mm. <laughs> And you may have wondered why I didn't give any uh, information on the people who were in NASA, even though they had lines. Unfortunately, neither the Internet Movie Database nor the Doctor Who uh, News.net guide page have any listings for any of the NASA folk. Um, They they never get the recognition that it is. No, no, they don't. No. Especially those, not those who work in the cafeteria. (laughs) Making the fries and the, you know. See, I was going to get Mr. Whippy on this show, but, you know. I don't really understand the point of involving Missy in this show, any, this episode, anyway. Well, because he thinks the, the TARDIS is out of control. No, 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 I know why. It's, it's all leading up to I the mean, end of the series, which is kind, kind of the problem. Yeah. And apparently, I could be wrong, but I did read somewhere, it was on a personal page on Facebook, but apparently when this was originally written, or at least... Um, Nardal wasn't here. Hmm. Nardal wasn't involved, and so uh, than, get rid of him. Yeah. Rather than manufacture lines for them, for him, you know, for the whole episode and place him in, in, in something that wasn't already figured out, uh, they uh, they took him away. And it uh, helps out with the uh, overall story arc with Missy, with Missy in the mm-hmm. vault and all of that. Which, speaking of original story versions and all, apparently uh, Mark Gaddis was on on the, uh, the Doctor Who fan show, after show, whatever that's called, and he was talking about the origins of the story. This was originally going to uh, several phases in its in its development. This was either going to be a third Peladon story based on Peladon, and then another version was going to be a sequel to his series nine story, Sleep No More, which oh, I've not God. seen, so I don't know. Oh, you're, you're, oh, it's just mm. awful. That's a Mark Guidus episode. Just leave it at that. One of my least favorite stories. It's like, you know, it's just, it was just, yeah. The creatures in it, you know, that stuff that, that's in the corner of your eye when you wake up in the morning? Yeah. Like, that's what they were made of. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's that bad. The characterization of these gents definitely fits the time period. They're yeah. really well done. I'm playing Catch Love, which is our uh, mustache twirling uh, villain. It's played by uh, Ferdinand Kingsley. As I said on the uh, the live show earlier today, last name should ring a bell. Mm. He's got a very famous dad. Anyone want to take a guess? They've already did, so we can't. Ben. And I just said you can't. Bloody hell. But yes, he's Ben Kingsley. Well, they'd have never got it. Ben Kingsley's son. But he's also been in uh, Victoria. Of course, with uh, um, Ed, uh, what's her name, from uh, before. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Oh, I'm beating beating around the bush here. (laughs) But he's also been in Ripper Street, uh, Agatha Christie's Poirot, Borgia. Dracula Untold. See, that's a nice bit of continuity there. The the portrait they used. Referencing oh, yes. back Tooth and Claw. 
Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. I love that. Pauline Collins. Yep. And also sitting at the table is uh, Anthony Carr. Now, the interesting thing about this gentleman is uh, this is not his only appearance in Doctor Who. In fact, his first appearance on television was in Doctor Who. He played Charles in The Visitation. It's his very first TV role. Mm. Gosh, 1982. Mm. All right, speaking of tables, I've got a logic question for you. Mm. Where'd they get that wood? Well, they did say the the campaign stuff. Okay, maybe. I guess. They're on a campaign. I guess. They packed up their... their, The indigenous um, underground inhabitants were very uh, skillful engineers. Fantastic carpenters. (laughs) Well, they said this ship was spacious. And the British were known for their traveling in style, right? Yeah. yeah, Even in in a a field, they'd put a table up and have a proper meal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if they don't keep it up, then the, the, the enemy wins, damn it. Yeah, certainly the officers anyway. Yeah. Uh, he also uh, played, uh, Anthony Carthus, uh, played Lord Barsett in uh, Frozen in Time, a big Finnish uh, audio. And blimey, I haven't given a time check. We're already at 12 minutes, 55 seconds. Mm. It's quite a short episode, this. It's under 44 minutes. Of course, first aired on uh, June 10th in the UK. Uh, 3.58 million, so up a little bit from last week's rather poor showing, which, of course, was um, a bit of a mismatch with the other TV programmes. So we're back up to 20% of the audience. Oh. That was quick reactions. Yeah, nice reflexes there. See, they can't move fast. Well, cyberpunk goggles there. Sweet Fanny Adams says rock. That sounds pretty dirty for a Briton. Means nothing. Sweet FA. <clears throat> I got um, what was it? The seventh Doctor story. I got a, a bit of a feel with this one. <laughs> Don't what? pause like that, Dave. I was trying. I was trying to remember the name of the episode. The um. Trigger. The one where uh, he nearly gets blown up, Seventh Doctor. Oh, one of Darth's favourite episodes, then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you figure out where you're going with this, Dave, huh? (laughs) The the circus one where you have um, the bloke in the... uh, Oh, the greatest show in the galaxy? Yeah, I don't think it is that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Now that looked like the crystal that they had in um, the Planet of the Spiders. You know, the, the fourth Doctor, the third Doctor rather, infinite power and all that. Which, interestingly enough, ties into this episode. How do you pronounce that planet's name? Metabolus. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on. Tell us how it ties in with some voice, no doubt. Yes, yes, it does. Uh, to a voice that we'll hear at the end of the show. So maybe I'll save it till then. Yes, this the story actually ties into the to, to, you know, John Pertwee's last story. It's nice modeling. He's playing uh, Friday since he's not on screen right now. <laughs> he's playing Richard Ashton. Yeah, he's played by Richard Ashton. Who's uh, also been in uh, the Last Laugh, the uh, Saint TV movie, uh, Outlander, Vikings, which is which, uh, the New Adventures of Robin Hood. He played Little John. So how ah. do they expect to ever get back to Earth? I don't. That's that's a question. That's a, it's repairing it. The captain's oh right, repairing it. Repairing Friday's ship. Yes. Okay. Which is not doing very well. Which is why later on he tries to kidnap the the empress. Oh, that's right. Have you watched this before, Perry? Yeah, yeah, but you know, I I was confused. I thought they had their own ship, so now I'm now I'm trying to reconfigure my understanding of the story. Yes, I like to embarrass himself on the Colton. Yeah, sure. Why not? This is a man who gave a few trace elements in a chemistry lab, and he'll tell you which planetoid it came from. Yeah. You are the little man you don't know That's a sergeant major, if you like. And playing Sergeant Major Peach is Glenn Spears. Right is ninepence. Right is ninepence. And, uh, oh, he's an Irishman. Mr. Spears. Uh, he's also been in uh, Stanley's Lucky Man, which keeps coming up in here. It's becoming the new. I'm Oh, he's also been wow. in Misfits. And Ripper Street. Ah, oh, I'm sure somebody else been in Ripper Street that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony Carf's been in that. Which we haven't got What's to What's the yet? rhino there, Dave? What's the rhino? Uh, rhino means money, doesn't he? I don't know. I'm asking you. You're the Brit. And you're alive then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Familiar with the, the lingo? It's it's a nickname for money. Uh. Ivory. So let's see if anyone gets my reference here. I bet Thanos is interested in that sarcophagus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. And Ian uh, Beatty is the one uh, thieving at the moment. Playing Jack Doll. 
Uh, he's also been in uh, Prime Suspect from 1973. Game of Thrones. There's uh, Meryn Trent. I have no idea who that is. Been in Vikings. Number two. You know, it's the gap that you hear when I'm scanning through what these people have done is me looking for special things. <laughs> uh, uh, there you go. <clears throat> Playing Vincy. <sighs> I always get stuck with these ones. I tried, I tried practicing it before. Um, Bayo Gabnotti. This is as much as I'm willing to try. Very sorry if I, uh, screwed that one. Gabnotti. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty good, actually. Thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, relatively new to the setting. Well, not new to the setting, Lark, but, not as, you know. Anyway, it's been in a few things. Uh, The Swarm, I'm sure, back in 2011. Been in this, of course. And in 2017, an episode of Casualty. Casualty! Ah, casualty! And Perry's gone to sleep. Ding, 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 I heard it. So that was <laughs> wa- actually watching the episode this time. Yeah, sorry. So who, who's uh, right, the queen? Right. I, never, I never looked it up, but she sounds really familiar. Adele Lynch. What was that? Adele Lynch. Hmm, the last name. Uh, one of the things on the last show we were talking about was um, uh, there was a mixed feelings about the effect of them, you know, being turned into a ball, but then the bouncing. And I was trying to say the uh, the bouncing might well be because isn't the gravity on Mars only about the third of Earth? Yeah, uh, that's right. So the bouncing could be more to do with the gravity than the fact that they're being sort of made into something mushy or whatever. I don't know. I think the gravity is the situation, Dave. Yeah, well, what I mean is some people thought the effect was good that they rolled into a ball, but then the the, the bouncing around made it look a bit more ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Are there people who like that visual effect? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand why they did it. They did it as an extension of the old effect. You know, they took it to a, you know, a different... A, you know, uh, you know, they're trying to make something out of the original effect, which I understand, rather than mm-hmm. just making it a vaporizing weapon or, you know, they mm-hmm. turn to stone or water or whatever. You know, they try to, you know, play off. Yeah. Uh, uh, them space suits. The, the point yeah. I was trying to make was that if, if they'd been killed on Earth, they wouldn't have bounced like that. And I realize I need to clarify my comment in terms of plot, what's about to be revealed in plot. My reaction to Lynch was because of David Lynch, Twin Peaks, and all of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And speaking of uh, Adele again, uh, she's also been in The Bill as Maggie. And I don't have any other credits for her, for TV, that is. But she does a very good job. Yes. Yeah, not much on Wiki either, no. Uh, 
I really don't like her hair. Really? That was kind of cool. Dreadlock thing, you know. Ever seen Predator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're reptiles, I thought. Anyway, but okay. Yeah, they are dreadlocky, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And they just scream Predator. <laughs> yeah, they do, yeah. Um, what? And, gosh, 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Just quickly mentioning the cinematographer for this episode is Stuart Biddlecombe, B-I-D-D-L-E-C-O-M-B-E. This is his first episode, uh, actually, no, third episode. Uh, I forgot. Hellbent and, and Heaven Sent were his first two episodes. He's, mm. and then he, then he directed last week's episode, Lie of the Land, and then this is his last as far as IMDb is concerned. He's also been cinematographer for episodes of Call the Midwife, the, the sixth Thatcher's episode of Sherlock, episodes of Hinterland, Stella, uh, Live at the Electric, Land Girls, Doctors, and also five episodes of some show called Casualty. Casualty! Yeah, hey, hey! Ding ding. There's not a lot of uh, mention is made, of course, of, of uh, the other uh, officers with speaking roles, uh, namely Nibs Coolidge. Uh, Nibs is played by Ian Hughes, who's also been in uh, uh, been Finch in uh, Torchwood, a gathering. Oh. But he's also uh, been in uh, Doom, Right Young Things. This is very cyberpunk, isn't it? This machine. Steampunk. Uh, steampunk. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned that, have we? We've mm. got uh, all the influences. We've got Zulu. We've got cyberpunk. We've got... Um, She's even got the little predator sound. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, that sound they had in, in um, the... Was it Cold War? The cyber, the the cyber, <laughs> the uh, right, the warrior that, yeah. that one had that that tick, 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 noise. Yeah, a bit like they did in that uh, adaption of the Triffids. They had that. They used that mm. sort of noise. Wasn't Cold War another goddess script? Yes. yes. Okay. I do like the fact that 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 the ice warriors have remained pretty true to form. Which I don't know whether that Gaddis's mark on it, where he's like, I don't want them changed. You know, I mean, we did get to see one outside of his outfit, which didn't spoil it for me, really. Um, but I just love the fact that the arm still stayed the same, you know. Um, <laughs> you're being more, you idiot. <laughs> oh, and yes, um, 
this time to mention uh, all that's being placed by Leslie Yuen. Can't believe it's four years since Cold War, which was the last. Yeah, unbelievable. Coolidge is. Oh, sorry. I, I ah. must backtrack. Yeah. Les, Leslie's girl. And Leslie Ewan was in uh, the NASA control room. That's how I missed her. Uh, she's also been in uh, Eve of Destruction, Arrow, as Judge Ooh. Moss. Uh, she was in V. Men in Trees, The Dead Zone, Outer Limits, Millennium, Sentinel. There's, there's an image. Files. Okay. There's an image coming up that reminds me actually of, uh, of a, of Steven Universe. So <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows that cartoon. I do. But if know. you know what the, the, if you know what the kindergarten is in Steven Universe. No. I do like Steven Universe, kind of. I, I wish I had time to sit down and watch it and follow along. It's kind of a little out there. So there are two things about that scene right there with all the Ice Warriors awakening. One, mm. I don't know, I, we're talk, talking over it. Maybe she said that line there. Maybe it's still coming up. But she says the phrase, sleep no more, which <laughs> from from Gaddis and a Gaddis script is a clear reference to his previous episode. I knew that was from something. I didn't catch it at That's the beginning. That's the title. The first his, time I saw it. You're right. I yeah. remember, yeah. Yep. And also just the whole imagery there just reminds me of Cybermen. Mm. Oh, absolutely. So, please. <laughs> but this is funny. <laughs> the thing that makes them laugh. The, the, the funny thing is, in his new tricks persona as Robert Strickland, Mm-hmm. Uh, is the boss of a female cop uh, yeah. Amanda, played by Amanda Redman. That's probably why the, why the joke's in there, I don't know. Uh, and then Tasmin Altwick taking over from that. Mm. He's been a posh leading man, this bloke. He's, he's been quite played some debonair parts. Just to think, he started off in a little show called Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. I like him as an actor. He's got a lovely personality. Oh, yeah. I like the fact that the, the, the weapon that they built isn't overdone. No, no. It's so easy to like it, make it like, you know, but it looks kind of like it's been cobbled together, which is cool. Yeah, it's, they say it's adapted from a, a, one of their weapons. Hmm. And I'm sure knowing Mark Gatiss, these uniforms are correct for the time period. They look right. pretty good. Hello? Huh. 
it's an interesting statement and bold statement in their time, is it not, Dave? Uh, well, it's very difficult to tell from that picture, but yes, I, don't, I, I think uh, I see where you're going with that. Right. A mixed marriage. Well, it, more than that as well, uh, would they have uh, in actual one company, would they have had a mixed Often in the army in those days, they would have, um, you know, right, they'd have their own course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the, sh- the young baddie guy, I think he's pretty good, uh, oh. as you've already talked about, but he's, he's only about 28 or 9, but he's playing a, a tw- I mean, 28 or 9 in the 1980s, you, you're probably almost middle-aged, you know. Yep, there you go, Mike. There was your line. Huh? There we go. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was somewhere. Uh, in, in yeah, and this is a shot that reminded me of uh, the kindergarten. Tomb, yeah. Also the Tomb of the Cybermen. Tomb of the Cybermen, yeah. So I'm guessing the stairs are at the back of the tomb. It's like, yeah, how do you get down yeah, from there? Yeah. But I like how it's not like uh, they go through a door and there's the tomb. It was there the whole time. It was just above them. I think it's yeah. quite clever. Yeah. Still don't like the uh, the rubber ball effect, but yeah, it's at least the problem. So, yeah, you know, at least the, my worries. And? Aha! But I like the fact that, I mean... <laughs> They play on the fact that he spent time with these guys, and so he's developed a kinship. So, you know. Now I like how the humans are the bad guys in this one again. Well, this this forms the dilemma that the Doctor has, doesn't he? I mean, uh, the, the, the humans are the invaders here, mm-hmm. so he wants to protect the humans, but on the other hand, they're in the wrong. This isn't war, this is sport. Oh, sorry, wrong race. I haven't heard Mike's comments from the end of this episode yet, but sure we will. But you know, there's so many ways they could have really messed this whole episode up on you know, oh, the could season have been, so far. Um... I mean, we've kept a companion that is not special. She's not magical, she's not, you know, the most important person in the world yeah. or the universe. She's just a person. And that was kinda neat, that whole she grabs the ice for his hand and holds it up. You know. We can work together, you know? Like, it was really kind of a cool moment. Very understated. You know, they don't fixate on it. And have special music. Frozen. Uh, yeah, when, <laughs> I, when, I, when I saw the doctor behind that machine, I thought of, uh, is it the orgasmatron in, um, 
Oh, God. Barbarella? Barbarella, yeah. You would. <laughs> Barbarella, Barbarella. Oh, the cat! The cat! Well, at least he's found the most, the only vulnerable place with all the armor, the neck. Yeah. See, he's, he's been trying to repair it, Perry, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, now he's actually being the coward. He's the one running away. Yeah. And the funny thing is, the, the neat thing is about this, is I didn't see it coming. At least they didn't cut this. I mean, uh, the, 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 we had the issue, didn't we? Uh, I think Mike mentioned it, that they had to cut a line because of the terrorist things that have been happening. Um, uh, that was but, uh, Yeah, but, you know, this idea of people being having knives held to them and things. Mm. Uh. Nothing can stop me now. Hmm? He's thrown a backbone. Oh, that's rather good. Nice ball. They just, just keep slightly off the edge of silly comedy. Right. I don't know how many times I'll rewatch this, but I really enjoyed watching it first time. Mm, uh, I was going to watch it again today, but, you know. In a relaxed... Uh, oh. uh. I think it's because the characterization of some of these minor plot, um, parts... They came across enough for you to be concerned. Yeah. All right, I think you're catching us watching. Yeah. Well, I'm drinking, uh, I've got wine tonight, Ian. I've uh, got my uh, Benjamin Darnold uh, mm. Minerva 2015. Oh. Yeah, Isn't one it? of our nice ones, yeah. Mm. I sent for two bottles of that one. I've just been drinking beer. Uh, today is a good day to die. But the day is not yet over. <laughs> oh, I could be naughty and ask Perry how long is a Martian day, but I won't. Oh, that's easy. Oh. Ten it's- hours? No. No. It's uh it's it's almost a, it's almost twenty four hours. It's almost oh. the same. It's about it's only about it's only about five minutes different. <laughs> Something like that. Huh. I'd have I have to double check, but it's very close to twenty four hours. Oh excellent. Of course Martian year is almost two Earth years. Yeah, that, that's why they always plan these missions in two-year cycles, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. To save on fuel. Yeah. It's okay. No, it's not five minutes. It's it's twenty-four hours, thirty-nine minutes, and thirty-five seconds. I will give you that. that thirty-nine was good. minutes. The door didn't go shook shook. 
Well, from memory, that's pretty good. Yeah. Here we go. Here's the 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 the, mm-hmm. the punch the air bit for for fans. It even looks <laughs> like an old uh, classic series. Yeah. Piece of equipment. Uh, as if they know what an email is these soldiers <laughs> space semaphore huh? oh yes <laughs> uh, the golden age of superman I mean golden age of ah, here we go Get your curtains ready. Yeah. Yeah, here we come in. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what an old voice sounds like, Ian. None of you. 92. Crikey. And that's Suzanne Churchman reprising her role as the voice of Alpha Centauri. And uh, the tie-in I was talking about earlier to uh, Planet of Spiders is she was also the voice of the spiders, Planet of Spiders. Where, where, where's that being filmed, Ian? The, that looks pretty good. I mean, obviously the Mars. far... Mars. No, the, 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 the foreground looks good. It was filmed on a soundstage on Mars. <laughs> All the way to Earth. They well, got the just, best filming facilities. Of course, what would have really made it good is where their boots scuffed the soil. There could have been ice just underneath the soil. That would have looked really good. That was one of the great things, wasn't it, with one of the uh, rovers, that one of the the wheels got stuck. And then inadvertently, that that dragged and reveal the uh, the ice just under. Now, my brother-in-law... Like your reviews, they drag. Uh, <laughs> thank you. My brother-in-law was quite keen on, uh, good on this. He said, I wonder if that message was supposed to be to the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. Which queen are they talking Which queen? The, yeah, yeah the, em- the empress, yeah. rather. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, don't get frowned. It's a good one, that. <laughs> good shorthand between them there. Yeah. Is she looking younger or what? She looks a bit younger to me there. She's touching his TARDIS scene. Who? Who, Mrs. Yeah, most of the filming for this was done in studios, uh, with the exception of the tunnels. The tunnels were actually uh, red. Yeah, that's, tape. A, that's a strange look she gives him there. Mm. Very strange. I had to rewatch that to see if there was anything going on with the doctor. Was he yeah. glowing or regeneration yeah. energy or something? I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I mean. But I'm assuming because she, she's been summoned, she thought, go on in. 
No, the reason why I think it, it is because um, she knows that the TARDIS came back for her. Yeah. And so the TARDIS knows there's something going on, and so therefore she knows because she had to make the TARDIS go to Mars to get him. I'm thinking that's what I'm thinking. Is you know, I don't know for sure. It's just my thought process. Uh, and this next next fan. Yeah, and this. Wait, 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 wait. So the, the, the TARDIS went back for her. Yeah, that was what yeah. was uprising the controls. But the TARDIS, the TARDIS. But what was your reason? What was your there's reason? Something go- there's something going on with the Doctor, and so that's why she uh, said at the end, "Are you sure everything? Uh, you know, are you okay?" Uh, it must be amazing. The TARDIS yeah. came back to get her. I, so therefore, okay. it must have been really worried for the Doctor to trust her to in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but again, in that next time, we got the 5,000 mentioned again. This time in 5,000 kills. And 5,000 year old. Uh, it's the Doctor Who version of 47 from Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Alright, now let's see. I think we'll go with Mike first. Oh, <laughs> brave right. move. Alright, All right, leading up to the... Strap in, everyone. Yep. <laughs> well, I'll just go ahead and jump in here. Uh, leading up to this episode, I was not excited. You know, I, I'm at this point. I'm very anxiously awaiting the two-part finale. That's where my interest is at this point. Is given who's returning on that in that story. Given all that's all that is going on in the overall story arc-wise, I'm looking forward to the the, the 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 finale. And as a friend of mine pointed out earlier today, this episode is kind of the Stopping at a gas station or a petrol station, depending on where you're from, while you're, you're on the way to Disneyland. Nothing interesting happens there. It's it's boring. It's forgettable. You're 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 anxious, you're, you're waiting to get to your destination, and you you can't wait to see what happens there. And that's how I am with this story. Leading into it, I thought this was a two-parter. Turns out I'm not right. That's that's that was nowhere actually said it was a two-parter. I just had that that assumption in my mind yeah, that this I had is a that two-parter. Too. I, thought I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was maybe I read something. <laughs> maybe I read something somewhere that somebody said it was a two-parter. But no, it's it's no, it's this is just a standalone story overall uh, with vague connections to the overall story arc. Um, next week's episode, I'm it looks more interesting. It's given the 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 returning writer that we have from the classic series, first time in Doctor Who history, and yet there's another thing I, I'm looking more forward to than this episode. And a lot of that comes down to, this is a Mark Gaddis episode. Uh, he doesn't have a good track record. Uh, he, he really doesn't. Uh, looking over Gaddis's episodes, he wrote the um, Unquiet Dead was his first episode. That was an okay episode. Uh, it was our first well, second adventure somewhere else in time. First adventure into the past in Modern Who. And then we had the Idiot's, Idiot's Lantern. <laughs> Does anyone remember that one at all fondly? And then we had him, he was gone for the next series, came back in series, was it, five, with Victory of the Daleks, which had parallels with the story, with the, 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 sort of the, the main villain, or at least, Members of the main villain race or whatever being subservient to humans. We had uh, Friday there as subservient. Um, again, uh, overall <laughs> forgettable episode. Even though it was probably no no fault of, of Gaddis's, that episode gave us that stupid redesign of the Daleks, the Power Ranger Skittle Daleks. And then we had Night Terrors. I honestly have no idea what that episode is about. I know I've seen it. I don't remember what it's about at all. 
And then we have Cold War, which I guess was the other his uh, his the episode that took place in the submarine, Crimson Horror, which I objectively hate. The Doctor does a lot of things out of character in that episode, and I just objectively hate that episode. Other than that, it's boring and forgettable. There's a tr- there's a pattern going on here. Robot of Sherwood, <laughs> I don't remember that one. I know and I know I've seen it. Sleep no more. Haven't seen it. Have no desire to. <laughs> Clara's in it, and that brings us here. So Mark Gaddis doesn't have a good track record, as far as I'm concerned, in Doctor Who, and this episode sadly lives up to it. It's it, I'm of two minds about it though, because as a classic series story, this would have fit in. It felt like a classic Doctor Who story, and in that regard, then it was it was enjoyable. But I don't know. It just didn't really fit in with the the current tone of the show and but then going and then, which is where the the whole ca- voice cameo at the end of of uh the, the the voice from the classic series is kind of a good thing and a bad thing good thing because of long-term to- long-term fans of doctor who or people who have seen all of the cl- all of the classic series at least the third doctor era sure that's a nice little easter egg uh everyone else i've just seen a whole bunch of comments like Ooh, what's going on there? Was that just Missy doing a voice or something? What's going on there? Is that... It's confusing. It just has no effect on people who have only seen the modern series. Or not even all the modern series. Just Moffat's version. And... I don't know. The 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 Victorian soldiers on Mars wasn't really... Didn't go any... Didn't really go anywhere that it could have gone. I mean, the whole idea of soldiers from late 19th century... UK ending up on Mars. There was a lot more they could have done than what they did in this story. It just felt like a wasted opportunity. A lot of characters. I don't even remember the name of the character of that sergeant or colonel or whatever rank he was who was who was hung but not hung. I don't even remember his name. And I've seen this episode twice now. That's uh, that kind of says something. Um, just overall, typical Mark Gaddis fair boring forgettable predictable didn't care about it let's move on to the next episode i'm done all right you have it right there not for everyone i just hope you stick around for the rest of it and the payoff is, is good at the end oh yeah i'm I, that's what i'm waiting for is that two-part finale with you know who returning and yeah. you know who and others and you, yeah <laughs> lots of you know who's simply tons simply all right. Uh, next up is Dave. Oh well, um, I thought a lot more of it than that, but I will absolutely agree. When you you actually go through the list of Mark stories, um, none of those ones you mentioned were ones that I particularly had uh, great thoughts about. I remember with the uh, robot of Sherwood, or is it robot Sherlock? Um, you know, where, where he's fighting with a spoon and things like that. I didn't like it. Night Terrors was the one where they had those, um, like dolls down in the, uh, in, in the, the house, uh, that seemed to come alive. Um, Victory of the Daleks, uh, come in, Danny boy. Uh, but we did give us, um, a Winston Churchill chappy, uh, and he was very good with that. Idiot's Lantern was a bit of a, a mixed bag. But we got a reference to that only last week with the uh, Magpie Electronics. Um, Unquiet Dead was, again, a bit of a mixed one with the the, the Vampires uh, and the Charles Dickens one. So 
I think by far this is Mark Gatiss's better script because he's on he's on point on this one. Um, he, he he knows his horror stuff. He knows his classic cinema stuff. Uh, I've got a feeling he's a little bit of a a, a working knowledge on on sort of military semi-military matters. He's quite often played establishment uh, figures, uh, even in the latest version of Sherlock, where he plays. You know, um, Sherlock's uh, older, smarter brother, you know, and, and, and part of the you know, intelligence service. You get the feeling that these are all areas which, you know, um, and with his very quintessential Britishness, um, he brings all that to the fore. He's got the uh, the speech patterns right. Uh, whoever did the casting, by the way, deserves a, a good nod uh, because um, in only one episode, First of all, it meant refreshingly for this series we had a you know a one a one standalone episode, which, as I said, may not bear a lot of rewatching. But in terms of on the night watching, this is for me has been the easiest one to watch and just go with it. Uh, and I think Mike's right that the, the, there's that classic edge to it. We get enough references the uh, the similarities with the tomb. We're getting the Ice Warriors. Well, we're getting some of these. Um, the atmosphere of uh, classic Doctor Who. We're getting some steampunk in there. We're getting some. We're almost getting a, you know, the Michael Caine Zulu feel. We're getting other feels coming into it, and and so I think it hits a lot of beats um, that make it very acceptable, certainly to a British audience. Uh, and I don't know how well it's translated um, in that. Uh, well, right. I mean, when when they talk about pink. I think they're talking about pink here in terms of, uh, you know, when the British Empire ruled and the globe of the world, you know, you know, two thirds of it were pink because it was part of the British Empire. And then, of course, later the Commonwealth and so on. Um, and I think they did it if if one was following it. And I, and I do admit sometimes some of the the things that are said in throwaway lines it's only on re-watching or checking the audio that you actually catch. But all those little things that, that may have seen a little bit unexplained, there was at least some reference to them. You know, um, the fact that it was a, the, the, um, the Friday uh, character was, was crashed on Earth and so on, and uh, that 5,000 years had gone by and that they were technicians and, uh, you know, got the oxygen into those cave areas. Um, I think it was all rather all well and good. So not necessarily one that I will go back to a lot, but certainly um, a nice time. In fact, I said to my son, who's, who's not been watching much Doctor Who recently, I said, if you want to just dip into this series, this might be the one episode to dip into, just sort of, you know, see how Doctor Who's going. Because he has a... Uh, quite a good interest in it um but it's probably like of, of us here he's probably much more like mike uh he thinks um doctor is a bit past its sell by date um but um no yeah, I, I enjoyed it some nice actors that i know uh and i th- especially that anthony Carr. Uh, and I think they brought a professionalism to it, a realism to it. Uh, it seemed to be set in the period, um, you know, uh, 
the the the, the main principles as well. You know, um, Peter Capaldi and Pearl Mackie seem to be uh, at home there. Some nice little sides uh, with them at the table, and all in all, and I quite like that effect. And I'm assuming, as I say, that if if those kills happened on Earth, those those uh, you know, scrunched up bodies wouldn't necessarily roll. That was more to do with the effect of being on this thing. And, and by the way, uh, the other Mark Gatiss thing that's not Doctor Who is the um, he, he'd rewritten with Rory and, and starred in with Rory Kinnear, the first Men in the Moon, and that had this Victorian vibe about it. And doing that must have given him a lot um, of preparation for this. And, uh, and I, I'm not too sure whether this actual episode was intended to be in this slot but as a break from the sort of theme that seems to be developing or a break between the the monks three-parter and what's to come i think this was should should be um an episode that um stands out as a, a nice interlude um and and having a bit of a throwback to classic who yeah i enjoyed it and and that's something i've not often said on first viewing i've come to appreciate them but this was to me um, a very enjoyable first watch all right yeah thank you very much dave and over to our expert in science corner it's very okay well one of these days i'm going to prepare you know this summary ahead of time um (laughs) Well, it's a research project. I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I don't prepare a damn thing for the show. I always improvise. <laughs> okay. I'm just bad at improv. That improv class for Perry. That's right. That would probably help. Um, no, I, I, I like this episode. I think um, it's very much written to f- – I guess to feel or to link up with the, the classic series. I think it's, it feels very much like that. It very much feels like a Mark Gatiss episode, as, as, um, both of you said. Um, he loves the Victorian era, you know, and he loves to throw, um, the doctor into these, you know, these sort of historical backdrops, I guess, different places and, and things. Um, uh, I mean, as far as like the science goes, yeah, I had a few issues with it. Part of part of it was that I just didn't hear the lot the throwaway lines about <laughs> that explain the oxygen or, or exactly how they got there. Um, but uh, you know, little nitpicky things uh, sometimes about it. But it's hard to be nitpicky with. It's hard to be too picky with Doctor Who and actually try to enjoy it most of the time. I, I don't think we mentioned it when when we were watching, but um, you know he did he did reference the fact that the sonic screwdriver has no setting for wood. Why does it why does it still have no setting for wood? Um, I appreciated that uh, in the episode. There were lots of you know cute things in the episode. Um, all in all, I thought it was a was a pretty good episode. It's definitely not been my favorite of of this season. Um, I yeah, I don't. I'm not sure why. I wasn't just. I guess I just wasn't kind of that excited about the story. Um, a little confused by the story. Uh, it was the little surprise at the end, you know, with Alpha Centauri appearing. Um, 
that was fun. Although I had seen the episode late at night last night, and a friend of mine simply posted on Facebook the words Alpha Centauri with no context, and I knew exactly what he meant as soon as I saw that. <laughs> so that kind of ruined it a little for me. That's a total surprise for it. When I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, but it was, it was fun. Um, Let's see what else. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did the, the the whole part with Missy just seemed like you know so they threw a little bit in the beginning, a little bit at the end, like like you said, and so it's it didn't really have anything to do with uh, the real meat of the episode. Which I found sort of strange, and, and I was wondering the whole time why the TARDIS left, and you know, because it was clear that it wanted to leave, but um, they never answered why. So perhaps it is, you know, for some reason did want to go back and get Missy for something, um, because maybe there was something wrong with the Doctor's health, and maybe that's what the rest of this series will be about. Or I don't know, who knows? Um, I don't know. Uh, I've really enjoyed this, you know, this season as a whole so far. I think it's um, been one of the best sets of episodes in in a long time. And I'm looking forward to the rest of it, I guess. We'll see what happens. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Okay. Right. I suppose it's (laughs) just me. Um, Not really an awful lot to add on top of what I said earlier on the the live show, which means I'm going to talk for another 10 minutes, by the way. Uh, No, I really enjoyed it. It gave me this, you know, classic episode feel, which I know gets trotted out an awful lot, but I, I really honestly believe that, you know, it felt, uh, you know, it had these, just these classic vibe to it, uh, you know, the, the bad guy in the company that, you know, that wants to nick off with stuff or, you know, do something underhanded and, you know, the misunderstanding between the, the, the two races and stuff. It just had some really, Classic tropes in it, which, which I enjoyed the way they were set up. I love the fact that the Ice Warriors have not changed very much. Um, they've just, they've moved with the times as far as what we're able to, to, to do, um, with, uh, costuming and, and makeup. You know, that's been the main change to them. It's just, they're just a little more put together. They look like it's a suit of armor rather than, you know, something that was, you know, created with a small budget. Um, which is what Doctor Who had back then, and and they actually, I was watching the extras from um, uh, the Ice Warriors. I think that's the name of the episode, uh, the, the story, um, the their first one, um, and and it was good to be able to kind of do that comparison and and look and see, you know, the differences. And they did a really good job back then, considering. Uh, I mean, even the the, the uh, production team on that, they, they thought at the time, no, we're never going to pull this off. But instead, looking back at it now, they're actually pretty impressed with how it holds up. And, uh, yeah, so that's the, really the, the bulk of the change. They the, the main Ice Warriors themselves look pretty much, you know, how they, how they always did. Uh, they're a little more put together, a little more functional. If you notice, the hands are a little more, you know, less claw-like. Um, and so that's that's great. I, I kind of hated what they did with the Silurians. They changed them too much for my liking. Um, 
but in part, I understand. I understand the warrior mask that they were because it makes it easier to have, you know, forty uh, Silurians on 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 set. You know, they just have to have this mask that they made um, that's easy to put on and take off. But anyway, I digress. The ADD talking. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, nice work on, on securing a nice a nice cave, red caves. Um, because it, it, it totally, you totally buy into it. You don't even think about it being a set or, or anything. It, you know, gives the right impression. Um, liked the, uh, the Empress. Um, thought she fit in well with, you know, the rest of the Ice Warriors. Um, the acting was spot on. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't hate this one. Um, I, quite easily watch it again and then I think pick up on what Dave said. It's like it's an episode you could really just show somebody who hadn't seen Doctor Who before and not have to do a lot of explaining. Uh, you don't have to explain regeneration. Uh you don't have to tell it well you you can briefly explain that the ship that they're in time travels because of course they go from present day to eighteen hundred. So it's like so that's set it up as a time tra- travel show. Um Doctor and his companions and you know uh they're, you know, they arrive on Mars and there's, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's an easy one to kind of get people into, you know, so if, if you're going to show somebody a Doctor Who episode, it's not a bad one, really. Um, you know, I've made the mistake of showing people the five doctors because they think it explains everything. Sometimes you need to start small and get people kind of hooked and then, you know, move on. Uh, but yeah, it's great. And, uh, yeah, the ending of it really kind of hooks you in. I love the return of Alpha Centauri. Um, was really dead impressed with the fact that for just a cameo, they could have got anybody to do the voice. They really could have. Um, but the sheer fact that they went to the trouble and, and got her in to do that, um, deserves a major pat on the back for me. You know, that's, that's, that's a bit of loyalty right there and, uh, loyalty to the fans too, because, you know, the regular viewer isn't really going to care. Uh, but we as fans, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, it makes our day. You know, at the end of the day, you sit there and I've, you know, seen many, many, uh, Facebook pages last, uh, you know, day with pictures of Alpha Centauri and, 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 and then talking about the fact that she, you know, Reprised the role, and that's 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 just great. You know, it's nice when your show goes that extra distance and and uh, you know and does something like that. So yeah, that's 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 it for me. It's a great episode. I'd rewatch it again in a heartbeat, um, which I just did. But I talked sure I can't. Which is what we do here, apparently. Isn't that right, Rick Wall? <laughs> uh, one thing I just like to say is that. Yeah, I still, although this is his best story, I think the best writing he's done for Doctor Who was his docu-drama, uh, oh, uh, Adventure yeah. in Time, uh, in Space, Space and Time. And time. Yeah. I think that, that was Mark Gatiss's really performing and that was his, that was his best work he'd done for Doctor yeah. Who. But this, uh, as a, a, as a writing fictional, I think this has been his best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you I am yep. someone who's never seen the seen Doctor Who before. Watching this episode, somebody showed it to me. Who is that woman in the TARDIS at the end? Well, 
Is Demi-Nemesis Arch? Arch Demi-Nemesis. She's a bad guy. Oh, okay. There you go. She's a bad guy. That's all you need to know. That's what I tell my son. Who's that lady? She's a bad guy. Oh. So there. Yeah. You thought you trapped me with that one. You didn't. See? Curse is foiled again. Oh. I'm smarter than you. Now I'm going to run away. Before he thinks of something else. Ay, ay, ay. How long does it take them to put all them rocks there? Huh? Anyway, we're overthinking it. All right, join us next time when we talk all over the top of the next episode, which is Dave. It's called Dave. Okay. Do this every Sunday, and he's never right. prepared. Check it. Pieces of light. Pieces yeah. of what? light. Pieces of light. Go eat some light, would you? I had been a, a gentleman and muted my mic while you were talking. But Mike was still talking. Ah! Ah! Oh, it's such a good joke. Such a good joke. Oh, yeah. All right. Are you ready, Perry? Oh, sure. Sure. All right, then. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's no, really, really nothing more to say. Uh, hang, hang on, hang on. We what? better do a, a risk analysis before NASA does, does it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's put this through the whole review process, okay? <laughs> All right. Let's put it through Timco. Let's see what happens. There we go. Hey. Oh. It's... Come on, we don't have this problem with civvies, I tell you. <laughs> it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. It's goodbye from our man at NASA, Perry. And it's goodbye from Dave. God, I can hear the cogs whirring there. And it's, <laughs> and it's goodbye from Ian, the sixth doctor. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Steampunk Perry. Oh. He likes the abuse, you know. <laughs> Why is going back? Why is it called Empress of Mars anyway? She's she's called the Queen the whole rest of the episode. I don't understand. Uh, uh, confusing. I it think is. we should put this episode on ice. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.